This episode of the Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by Ritani. Looking for an engagement ring? Check out Ritani. Shop online and your ring is made in New York and sent to you or a local jeweler. It's that easy. Go to Ritani.com slash sports. That's R-I-T-A-N-I dot com slash sports today for their free diamond giveaway. Welcome to another Copa America edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss. We are coming to you the day after the USA beats Costa Rica 4-0 to keep its Copa America hopes alive. And gentlemen, I want to jump right into it. Brian, you are at Soldier Field in Chicago. The USA uh, makes a, a bit of a statement when necessary. What do you think uh, in of the win? Uh, you know, we all saw it comprehensive. Uh, they, they rose to the occasion and, and put together the performance, uh, that they were expected to, they should beat Costa Rica at home. Uh, and, and they did that. Um, it was, uh, interesting that afterward, you know, I mean, here's a team that was under a lot of pressure. Uh, here's a team that, that had to have this game. Um, and, and, uh, you know, while they were criticized by some people, uh, for being sort of, uh, you know, blase and, and, uh, you know, maybe, um, like they didn't take the defeat against Columbia too seriously. Uh, they were the same way last night. Uh, there, there, wasn't a lot of, there was no, uh, self-satisfaction, certainly no celebration, uh, certainly no, uh, you know, patting themselves on the back. Um, you know, they, they maintained the same kind of message, which is a group stage is, is a trilogy. It's three games. You don't draw any conclusions after one. You don't draw any conclusions after two. Um, and, and once it's all said and done, we'll have a sense of where this team is. So they maintained that kind of sense of equilibrium uh, after a big win as well. That's probably the the good way to approach a group stage, right? You don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. And, and there's still work to be done. The USA could still go out on Saturday against Paraguay with a loss. Uh, there's also um, the mathematical possibility that they could win the group if Costa Rica beats Colombia and the USA wins and, and ends up with a better goal differential. So everything's still in play. Grant, uh, same lineup for Jurgen Klinsmann. Were you surprised uh, that there weren't any changes? He went with the same 11? A little bit, you know. I mean, this is the first time Jurgen Klinsmann has used the same lineup in two straight games since World Cup 2014 against Ghana. So that's incredible when you think about how much Jurgen Klinsmann, Klinsmann changes the lineup you know, when we go back to March and look at the problems against Guatemala in that World Cup qualifier, people tended to talk about lack of core players, not enough core players on the team. And the way you get core players is by having fairly regular starting lineups. So I want to give some credit to Klinsman, who I'm sure we'll talk about this, got called out by Sunil Gulati heading into this game, or at least got some pressure added on him. Uh, in terms of his job and his evaluation uh, post-tournament. But, you know, he got this right. And uh, I even think he also got it right when they switched to a 4-4-2, which I'd sort of rather see. I think that helps Bobby Wood and Clint Dempsey up top especially. Uh, I'm curious to see if there's any chance that might continue. Um, You know, not everything's perfect. uh, And I think that's uh, a decent approach not to get too high after this game because... You want to 
you know, put yourself in the position to advance from the group and, and nothing's guaranteed yet just because the U.S. got one win against Costa Rica. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot to unpack uh, from from some things you were saying. First, Clint Dempsey becoming the second 50-goal scorer in U.S. history. Uh, and it came on a penalty kick. And Brian, that penalty kick, as you wrote uh, in your post-game reaction, that was a game changer. Look, Costa Rica pressured the U.S. from from the onset. They had um, a great chance from Joel Campbell. They dominated the ball. Um, but as soon as the U.S. got that penalty, the game totally flipped flipped on its head. And, and from there, it was just kind of one-way traffic for the U.S., yeah? Yeah, and it was obviously a, a mirror image of the Columbia game. You know, as they say, goals change games. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Costa Rica held 60% of the possession. I mean, those that's 60%. That's a Barcelona figure. Um, and, and yet, like uh, Colombia on Friday, the U.S. wasn't really uh, troubled uh, once they once they went up. Um, and Costa Rica played right into their hands. I mean, they had Celso Borges as like the only kind of real stay-at-home defensive midfielder. They play those two wingbacks who were sort of tied to the touch lines, and that just opened up acres of space in the middle for for Jermaine Jones, uh, for Clint Dempsey to to to, to retreat a little bit, uh, especially after they went to the four four two and and get some time on the ball. Uh, both Bobby Wood and Giassi's artists had time on the ball as well. They're still sort of working through some kinks. Uh, Giassi with his touch and, and, and Bobby Wood with sort of, you know, pushing out a little bit wider than he's accustomed to. Um, but Costa Rica, because they had to push forward, because they had to open things up, because of the way they were set up initially uh, with so much width, um, you know, left a ton of space for the U.S. to exploit. And again, credit credit to the Americans. They did exactly that. They recognized what was available for them and they took it. Were you surprised, um, Brian, that Klinsman kept doubling down on the Colombia game? He basically said that they played better against Colombia than they did against Costa Rica, despite the result. Um, did, did, what do you make of that? And, and did, do you think he's got any point to that? Uh, no, I don't think they played better against Colombia. I, I, I do think that um, you know Klinsman's points uh, after the Colombia game, for which he was criticized. Uh, you know, saying that, you know, this was a game decided by fine margins, you know, two set pieces, a couple of mistakes. We played well. You know, I think there was probably more to that stuff than maybe he was given a bit of credit for. Again, looking at a, a group stage as a three part story rather than, uh, you know, uh, three individual referendums on a team. Um, but no, I mean, I, I certainly don't think they played better against Colombia. They, they made mistakes that cost them the game. I mean, there's just no question about it. Um, and against Costa Rica, they they didn't make those mistakes and, and they finished their chances, which they also didn't do against Colombia. I mean, soccer is often a game uh, decided by who makes plays in the penalty area. And, and the U.S. did that last night and didn't do it on Friday. But uh, like I said, I, I do think I, I don't I don't think the loss to Colombia was a disaster. I don't think it was a sign that this team is, is not competitive or regressing. It was a loss to the number three team in the world. Uh, and the U.S. is probably typically going to lose to the number three team in the world. Um, so, uh, you know, against a team that was, uh, you know, far below it and, and a team they should beat at home, they showed that. Grant, um, we talked, uh, in our last episode about, you know, if, if Klinsman's going to make changes to the lineup, then who has to come out and Jermaine Jones and Clint Dempsey, those were some of the names, uh, that have been talked about either by us or, or elsewhere. Um, but then you, you saw, um, against Costa Rica, why Klinsman keeps turning to those guys. They both rose to the occasion. Jones, especially, I thought, um, you know, not not just the goal, but the play to set up the goal. He started it with uh, forcing a turnover and 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 then running back into position. 
Um, what did what did you make of the two veterans, and and was that pretty much why Klinsman won't turn away from them? Yeah, and I think it's actually important to note. I don't think any of us actually said Dempsey or, or Jones should have been benched. Uh, Dempsey scores goals for the United States. He's an important player for the United States. You need to have him out there. Jermaine Jones, I thought if there was any chance he was going to get you know put on the bench, it was for his interactions with Klinsman when he came off angry the other night against Columbia. But in the big picture... Jurgen Klinsmann will always start Jermaine Jones when Jermaine Jones is available and healthy. And Jermaine Jones had a fantastic game. He was doing things. You can make this terrific highlight reel of Jermaine Jones clips from this game. And it could be any number of things from his goal, which was very well taken. And suddenly he's become this goal-scoring threat, which is incredible this year. Uh, to some of the passes he made, the most surprising things he did to me were just these really... You know, I guess you could call them Hollywood passes, uh, but like effective Hollywood passes, you know, from distance, finding the right guy at the right time on these long diagonal balls or a terrific through ball he had once. Um, and then just covering tremendous amounts of space, uh, coming back to make some uh, goal-saving tackles on a couple of occasions. Uh, Jermaine Jones still has a motor which has always been his greatest asset, but also now he's scoring goals, he's passing, he's doing all these things. You just hope he has the consistency. But I also think if you're going to have Michael Bradley as a six, where he should be as a defensive midfielder, that does give Jermaine Jones more freedom to do these types of things. He made an interesting comment after the game. He said, uh, you know, that in most countries you have pressure uh, when you play for the national team, um, but that here in the U.S., uh, there isn't that much pressure because, you know, the stadium is filled with fans of the other team and that makes it tough to play. Um, and it just doesn't feel the same. But then he contrasted that with last night where it was a pro U.S. crowd. They knew they had to win. Um, so he did feel that pressure. He did feel that that this was a game that had meaning uh, and that that helped influence his performance. So, you know, it's interesting that he seems to think that the the typical U.S. national team environment is perhaps one where there 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 isn't that much uh, scrutiny or isn't that much support, um, but that he felt different last night. And, um, you know, he said, uh, he said he and the team were motivated by that. That's interesting. Um, his through ball to Bedoya, I think Grant, that was the one that you were yeah. referencing. Uh, I, I did not think he had that club in the bag. Pablo Mascherini has made an attacking force out of Jermaine Jones. <laughs> how, how did we get here? <laughs> Hey, everybody. Uh, we'll get back to the Copa America talk here in a second. But uh, in addition to being soccer uh, tournament season, it's also wedding season. And uh, that brings to mind, I'm thinking about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, when my best friend Charlie sat me down and said that he was going to propose uh, to his now wife. Congratulations to, to those two. Uh, I know that one of the worries he had at the time was trying to find a ring and how that whole process was going to play out. Uh, and I'm thinking about that, that now because of this week's sponsor, Ritani. Um, if you're thinking about proposing, first of all, that's a good idea. Uh, second of all, what about that ring? If a proposal is in the cards for you, you really have to check out Ritani. All of their rings are handcrafted in New York. You can shop online and they'll ship overnight to you or a Ritani jeweler close to you. If it's not exactly right, after you check it out, you can return it with no hassle. This is ring shopping on your terms. There's no pressure and no pushy salespeople. 
You design a ring on their easy-to-use website, they handcraft it, and you choose to get it delivered to your home or to a jeweler near you. It's that simple. Give the perfect ring and feel great about doing it. Also, they're giving away a diamond this month. That right, that's right. You can actually win a diamond via listening to this podcast. That's pretty cool, right? Just visit Ritani.com slash sports today. That's R-I-T-A-N-I dot com slash sports for that diamond giveaway. Brian, were you, were you, um, you know, if there's anything to, to nitpick, be critical at, um, you know, some of the substitution pattern for, for Klinsman, perhaps letting, letting some of these older guys play 90 minutes in, in a game that was in hand and not kind of turning to, um, you know, younger, fresher legs and, and keeping the squad fresh. Cause look, Saturday is, is a must win game, uh, or at least a must draw game, uh, as, as well. Were you, um, you know, are you critical or are you surprised at any of those moves? I was uh I was sitting with Steve Davis, uh, who many many of you will recognize from, I guess every single outlet ever, um, but uh, a, a good a former SI guy and, and a good friend of all of ours from from Dallas. So we were sitting in the in the post game press conference waiting for Jurgen, and we were having that conversation. We were like, "Do you criticize a coach for something that small after a four nothing win? Like, is that even appropriate?" You know, like, like, what do you, how do you, how do you handle this little nitpicky question? Um, you know, after, uh, and, and someone else in the, uh, some, not, someone, a, a foreign journalist I didn't recognize asked Jurgen why he didn't put Nagby and Pulisic in and Jurgen just rolled his eyes, you know, so uh, we, we didn't, we didn't ask, but, you know, Jurgen did say, you know, the, these guys have more in the tank. Uh, we just have to fill up the tank with the right stuff. Uh, that, that was his one sort of comment on the subject. Um, you know, Jermaine Jones wants to be on the field, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, these guys want to be on the field. Um, and, uh, you know, they're used to going 90, uh, they're obviously fit and, um, you know, you're, you're going to make his call. So we'll see what it looks like if that game against Paraguay is tied with 10 minutes to go, how much, uh, how much energy these energy these guys have. But, uh, from Jurgen's demeanor after the game, it didn't seem like he ever even considered pulling them off. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, it's, you know, you don't want to nitpick that much after a 4 nothing win, but at the same time, it's about team management over the course of a tournament. And- it's, right. It's a tri- right. It's the trilogy. And that was kind of the, the conversation we were having. Like, you know, do you, do you criticize a coach after a 4 nothing win? No. But do you look at a group stage like they're asking us to look at it, which is at, as, as three parts of a whole? Um, then, yeah, maybe it is an issue. Or, or, or and, and plus, you don't want to deal with late yellow cards or anything like that. So, um, you know, we're not going to know if it's an issue till till Saturday evening. Uh, but yes, everybody noticed. We were all talking about it. We were all sort of wondering, you know, and look, Ramzusi came on and, and scored. But, you know, is, is, is uh, you know, or, and I have no problem with Zussi and Wando and those guys being on the field. But yes, it certainly was a topic of conversation. Um, but uh, no conclusions drawn, like I said, other than Jurgen sort of laughing at all of us and saying, you know, their tanks are full. So we'll find out. Indeed, and and speaking of tired teams, um, just f- have Paraguay in your thoughts. They started in Orlando, they went out to Pasadena, and now they're coming back to Philadelphia. Uh, that's that's not an easy eight day trip for the the USA's opponent on Saturday. They also lost a, a pretty pivotal player, Oscar Romero, to a red card. Um, so intangible wise, things are are kind of in the USA's favor heading into Saturday's game. Paraguay gave Colombia a heck of a game um, after falling down to nothing. Um, and, and as we look ahead to this game, Grant, uh, 
the the Paraguay threat. Um, did you see Paraguay as the third toughest opponent for the U.S. in this group? Do you think that that they are, are going to provide a, a stiffer challenge than Costa Rica? You know, I've kind of viewed Paraguay as on the same level as Costa Rica. They played a pretty terrible game, actually the worst game of the tournament to me in Orlando. Yeah, but. Uh, Actually, at this point, having seen Costa Rica now twice and having seen Paraguay twice, Paraguay's had a better tournament than Costa Rica. You know, Victor Ayala scored the goal of the tournament against Colombia, and Paraguay actually had a couple of chances, even with 10 men late against Colombia, to get an equalizer. They didn't do it, but there's, there's a threat there. I'm actually really disappointed with Costa Rica. That is nowhere near the team that beat Italy and Uruguay at the last World Cup and got to the quarterfinals. Uh, they are a shadow of what they used to be. Um, but Paraguay, I still think the U.S. should be able to beat on paper, uh, especially given all the circumstances that you're talking about with all the travel. And, uh, you know, you don't want to embrace conspiracy theories. And, you know, Uruguay is basically alleging this tournament is set up for Mexico. And Uruguay is the, the angriest team of this tournament. They just have been complaining about everything and, and they have every right to about the anthem situation. But uh, if you look at it, Mexico and the U.S., as far as travel in the group stage, have it pretty easy compared to a lot of other teams, including Uruguay, including Paraguay, who are crisscrossing the country. Uh, you know, the U.S. gets to start on the West Coast, go to Chicago, go to Philadelphia. And yes, you're crossing the country, but you don't have a tremendously long flight during that process, and uh, and Paraguay has been all over the place, uh, just like you said. <laughs> As someone who's excited to go to Manaus for the Olympics again uh, later this summer, uh, yeah, it's uh, this tournament. Obviously, would love for the organizers would love for Mexico and the U.S. to stick around as long as possible, and I think they've got a decent chance at this point. Yeah, Brian, uh, real quick before we kind of take a, a look at the grander scope of, of this Copa so far, um, now that we're, you know, each each team has played at least one game and, and we've kind of got a, a little bit of a sense of what's what's going on. Um, just heading into Paraguay, um, what's your gut feeling on on this team? Will they get the result and, and go through? Yeah, I mean, I and I think we talked about this after the Columbia game. I, I, I always thought that the U.S. was the second best team in the group. Uh, I always thought they were going to finish second. And they are set up to finish second. And so as I uh, wrote in my postgame column, uh, they are who we thought they were. And, and I haven't seen anything uh, to change my mind about the fact that um, the U.S. is not an, a globally elite team. They're likely not going to challenge for the Copa America title, but they are good enough to get through this group. They may even be good enough, depending on the draw and what happens on the day, to make the semis. Um, and I would ex I would still expect them to do that. I mean, again, going back to the ever-quotable Jermaine Jones, you know, said last night, you know, uh, you know, we knew Columbia was really good. And then he sort of looked at all of us and he's like, you knew they were good, too. You didn't pick us to beat them either. Um, you know, so we focus on on Costa Rica and Paraguay. And those are the teams uh, he said, like, you know, with all respect to them, uh, those are the teams we can beat. Um, and so nothing's changed. Nothing changed after Columbia. Nothing changed after last night. I would uh, tend to agree with that. Um, now, let's let's take a, a look at, at Copa America as a whole. Grant, uh, it. <laughs> It's gotten better. The first few games, not great. Uh, the first Saturday, the, the triple header, there was one goal uh, total in three games. Not great. There was uh, the anthem fiasco for Uruguay, the Pitbull anthem fiasco for Chile. Uh, 
kind of looking forward to seeing what happens the next time Chile plays because every single time the Chilean national anthem is involved, uh, it's 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 something. Um, you know, it. <laughs> uh, but play on the field has has gotten better, and it started with Mexico Uruguay. I thought Brazil Ecuador was okay, uh, but Mexico Uruguay was was great theater. Argentina Chile was was the best played game of this tournament I think so far. And then you look at what happened between. Colombia and Paraguay last night, the save of the tournament by David Ospina and then Ayala's uh, dipping rocket for Paraguay, you know, a couple of minutes after the, the goal of the tournament so far. Um, how have you kind of seen this tournament grow? Well, I think this tournament is finding its stride in pure soccer terms. You know, when you look at the Mexico-Uruguay game was so much fun to watch, so intense. It felt like a World Cup game. And you could say the same for Argentina-Chile. And that, to me, was encouraging because I was worried. You know, Saturday was brutal, just a, a, just a horrible day to watch three games. You know, Ecuador-Brazil was okay because uh, it certainly had its moments and both teams had a certain style that they clearly wanted to play. Um, but ever since Mexico-Uruguay, it's like this, this tournament's been turned on. And, you know, the U.S. has played a bit of a role in that. Um, I'd still sort of... Uh, you know, like to see the U.S. games feel a bit more intense. Maybe that has to do with the crowds. Um, we've grown so accustomed to seeing full stadiums for major tournaments in the U.S., but I also think there's a bit of revisionist history, especially when you look at, like, Women's World Cup, uh, things like that. There's always been empty seats uh, in big tournaments, with the exception of World Cup 94, uh, which was basically sold out everywhere. Um, and, you know, if you've got, uh, you know, Paraguay playing Costa Rica in Orlando, you're not going to fill up the stadium. Were tickets probably priced too high? Yeah. Um, and I think the atmosphere has suffered as a result in some games. But in other games, like every Mexico game, the atmosphere has been fantastic. You know, I'm here in L.A. right now, and Mexico-Jamaica is likely to sell out the Rose Bowl. So uh, Mexican fans are clearly engaged in this tournament marquee game fans like we had for Argentina, Chile are engaged in this tournament. I think the U.S. will continue to start drawing more and more fans. I'm curious to see how many come up or come in uh, in Philadelphia. I guess the best way to put it is I was pretty worried that Copa would look bad next to the Euro starting on Friday. And I'm not so worried about that anymore in, in soccer terms, at least. Uh, you know, the, the teams seem to be engaged here now. Yeah, I think the heavyweight fights that we're going to have in this tournament are, are really going to carry it and, and probably make it, you know, what we remember, um, after it's over, um, the Mexico crowds are, are phenomenal though. I mean, look, they, they drew a com- over 120,000 in their two pre-Copa friendlies and the U S couldn't hit 20,000 total. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we're looking at in terms of a home field advantage. Uh, and they're also playing in, in places that they've played before and are, are conducive to, to very pro Mexican crowds, whether it's, um, Arizona or Pasadena or Houston. So uh, lots lots to look forward to uh, as this group stage goes forward. Brian, is there any highlights from from the rest of the Copa game so far, uh, non-U.S. department, that have that have stood out for you? Uh, i got to be honest. I've spent so much time uh, traveling to and from uh, my hotel in Iowa uh, to uh, <laughs> U.S. training and, and Soldier Field and stuff like that that I've, uh, I've missed most of the rest of the tournament. Uh, while focusing on the U.S., but, um, you know, caught some of the Mexico-Uruguay game. Uh, that was fantastic, and it was funny. Um, you know, I, I asked Jurgen Klinsmann in the, in the press conference last night sort of about where the level of the U.S. was 
you know, sort of getting those quotes for the column I wrote. And he talked about how he and the other U.S. coaches were watching uh, the Chile-Argentina game, and they were just blown away uh, by the speed of it. He said they were exhausted at halftime uh, watching it. You know, uh, he used Jurgen used the phrase "holy moly" at one point, which I've never heard him say. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, just talked about how there are teams in this tournament that play the game at the at the very very highest level, uh, the game at, at the level he wants the U.S. eventually to reach. Um, and so, yeah, what you said earlier about you know there there's some going to be some heavyweight matchups in this in this thing that 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 really you know enthrall and 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 stick with us for a while and and yeah they're always every tournament's got some the brick and mortar games you know the the, the duds kind of in between uh that that make up part of it but they're going to be some good matchups uh you know going forward and and um you know even Klinsman's excited to watch them so that's pretty cool yeah grant when it comes to the star power Hamas rodriguez uh you know maybe it was a smoke screen but colombia had pretty much said he wasn't going to play uh, against Paraguay, and then he comes out and plays fantastically. Um, Messi did not play Argentina's opener. That didn't shock me, and I know some people were hopeful of that happening, but there was just no need to rush him in. Um, but it looks like he should be ready to go against Panama. Um, uh, even without Messi, though, Argentina, though, a, a fun, fun, fantastic team to watch. Yeah, I mean, they were really good. Uh, and Angel Di Maria was fantastic. And, and to me, it's kind of the human moment of this tournament when he broke down crying afterward in the postgame interview uh, because his grandmother had just died. And uh, talking in, in very human terms about what it's like to go through something like that, I came away with um, even more respect for Angel Di Maria as, as a real person. I think that's important for us to remember at times these guys aren't just robots and machines out there um but that argentina team is stacked and they were so much fun to watch and i thought chile actually played a, a good game these are the defending champions and argentina's going out there without not just messi but also sergio aguero as a starter in this game and uh and scoring a couple of really good goals um you know just that felt like a heavyweight fight uh watching that game so right now for me argentina's so far in our limited sample size, the best team we've seen in the tournament, but uh, Mexico's not far behind. Uh, and I'm feeling pretty good about my Argentina-Mexico pick for the final. Likewise. Um, Chile, I, I thought, acquitted themselves well, even even in a loss. And Brazil, uh, they, they need something in the final third still, and that's the story without Neymar. While he's popping around L.A. and, and San Francisco with the Warriors and Justin Bieber and Jamie Foxx and God knows who else, uh, you know, they are without a go-to goal scorer. And, you know, they get Haiti tonight. We're recording this again um, on the game day of that. And uh, and then Peru after that, you would expect them to to find the back of the net maybe and, and get into a bit of a groove. But that's one thing that I'm looking for uh, going ahead when, when we're talking about the top tier of the teams in this competition. Uh, I think we will leave it at that. One final point for me, though, uh, as we head into the final group stage game uh, that the U.S. will play, the final group games are not at the same time. Uh, and that is so dumb. Uh, I know that, you know, there's time zone reasons and things like that. It's a massive country and, and okay, fine. But, uh, from a competitive balance look, I mean, if, if the USA Paraguay game impacts Colombia, Costa Rica and vice versa, they should be playing at the same time. Uh, and the fact that they're not is, is a little bit of a, of a, of a bad look for Copa America. And it's not just in, in group A, it's, it's across all the groups too. It's just not uniform like usual. So Something to think about. But uh, with that, we're going to get out of here. I think we're going to let Pitbull take us out of here. But before we do, 
Uh, we will be back on Monday to wrap up the USA. Uh, it's Group A, whether they go through or not, uh, we'll find out. Um, but for Grant Wall, Brian Strauss, and our producer, Alex Abnos, I am Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you next time on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.